Welcome to the Child Care Buyer and Grill Podcast. Jeff Johnson here with you live from upstairs studio in studio virtually. With me is Child Care Buyer and Grill new co-host, Nicole Halton, joining us all the way from Australia. How you doing, Nicole? I am really good. I'm really good. It's freezing cold. Well, not freezing cold compared to Iowa's version of freezing cold, but it's freezing cold for Australia. Well, I'm, I'm glad you uh, were able to chip out of the ice and, uh, and make it to the Zoom today. Um, look, this is your first um, official episode as a co-host, and I'm going to start out by apologizing. Um, a, a number of episodes back when, when Lisa and I announced we were going to be bringing in some co-hosts, I, I mentioned that one of the reasons I thought you would be great is because you've got a cool Australian accent. And, and I don't even think of it as an accent. It's, but when I heard that, I was like, man, that's it. It's only for the accent. Well, no, I think. And I felt like I needed to come on here today with like a g'day mate or something. But I'm like, <laughs> yeah, really, 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 funnily really play enough, it up. though, people always say, oh, Australians always say things like g'day mate. And it's like, actually, we do say it a lot. <laughs> like we say it a lot. We just don't say it quite like that. Yeah, yeah. See, on, on on my trips to Australia, one of the things I always wanted to do was call somebody mate, but I never did. Why? Everybody's well, mate. Well, no, I'll tell you why. Because it felt like cultural appropriation. <laughs> right. Um, fair enough. Here's this American coming over trying <laughs> to use our slang, and and so it just didn't it just didn't feel like it didn't feel right coming out in my Midwestern accent. So I never did. Um, maybe someday I'll feel more comfortable in my own skin and be maybe. able to do it. Um, so back to my apology. I you are not only own you're not only here because of your <laughs> awesome Australia accent and and knowing that most of our listeners are in North America that that they're going to dig it. Um, you're also here because you got a passion for this work and and also you're you're good at the talking bit and so um, <laughs> that, that really makes makes podcasting delightful. Um, also, your awesome Australian accent is understandable because in one of my other experiences is. I, I, I mean, I remember being in some bars in western Australia and talking to dudes who I had no idea what they were saying because the <laughs> accent was was so thick and Australian. You can get some, some parts, particularly like far north Queensland, if you're up in far north Queensland and sort of remote outbacky kind of parts, um, it tends to be far more kind of it's either really fast or it's really drawn out or it's, yeah, it's different depending on where you are, but I'm not far north of Sydney. So it's fairly standard yeah, yeah, Australian you've accent. You, you've got what I've got. You've got this, with the Midwestern accent here. It's kind of standard. If you get, if you get other places, you get kind of a different, different take on it, but we're not going to do this whole uh, uh, episode on regional accents. We're going to talk no. about, we're going to talk about kid ingenuity. You sent me a picture at something one of your, one of your youngins <laughs> did, uh, and uh, tell us about it, and, and maybe if I remember, I'll attach the picture to the uh, the episode notes. But uh, so uh, it was one of those. It, it's been school holidays, so my children only went back to school this week. Um, so it's been school holidays. So there's been all sorts of interesting things happening at home. School holidays is pretty much like a free for all at home. Everyone just does what they need to do, and there's no homework, and there's none of that kind of school stuff that drives me crazy normally. Um, but I came out the other day and we 
my parents have got an amazing orange tree that's just got hundreds of oranges on it at the moment. So, of course, my children are raiding the orange tree constantly. And um, so the last few weeks have been eating heaps of oranges, which is great. But then I come out the other day and they've got, so my two girls who are six and eight have got an orange each cut in half and they've found the stainless steel straws that we have in the drawer. Uh And they have a straw sticking into the top of the orange, like into kind of the fleshy part of the orange. I said, what on earth are you doing? And they said, we're getting the last of the goodness out of the orange. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I I get it. And the funny thing was the first thought that came to my mind was, oh my gosh, this is going to make such a mess. There's going to be like sticky orange juice everywhere, all over the kitchen table. So that was like my mum hat on, but then my educator hat kind of, flicked on instead and I was like actually know what that's pretty clever (laughs) like it's just clever when kids do that sort of I'm gonna make something out of something I'm gonna and I find it with my youngest she turns things into other things constantly you know there's always this desire to make something into something else or to solve a problem or whatever and it just kind of got me thinking a little bit about that idea of you know ingenuity and you know how I guess as early childhood professionals we're in a pretty big position of I guess power not that we necessarily want to call it power but we can either make or break that ingenuity you know by our reactions our facilitation of that and yeah so I I don't know I just I found it an interesting one well I've got questions um did they ever try this now I'm, I'm guessing that that stainless steel reusable straw that I saw in the picture. Um, did they ever take one of those oranges? And you might want to suggest this to them if they haven't tried this yet. Take one of those oranges and then smush it a lot, just kind of knead it and kind of pound on it, maybe throw it against the floor a bunch of times, and then just jab that straw into that that whole orange and then use that orange like a drink box. Well they really probably could do that. I maybe I should suggest that. I, I mean, I don't know what that would look like mess-wise. Again, there comes the mum hat. I'm like, yeah. ugh, the mess. But that, that's a good option. It did kind of remind me of, and not that I would know, but um, like the, you know, uh, straw in the pineapple and whatever mm-hmm. that they do with like fancy drinks and stuff, cocktails and whatever. I don't drink, so I've got no bloody idea. But, you know, they do that. They stick straws in fruit. And I'm like, it's kind of like that. It's just a kid version. Well, first, listeners, did you hear Nicole say no bloody idea? Um, that's that Australian <laughs> that accent so that Australian. I was talking about. And, and so, look, I couldn't, I, I'd love to be able to say bloody too, but I, I just feel like I can't. Um, so maybe recording with Nicole, maybe I'll get to the point where I can. Um, so that was awesome. Um, along the idea of cocktails with the oranges is what I would do is I'd, I'd need that orange to get that juice really flowing in, inside that orange. Uh, listeners, if any of you try this, please send me video. Um, you do that. <laughs> and then you take a syringe and inject oh. vodka into it. And, and then you have and yourself then a put the straw in. Yeah. And then put the straw in. Then you have yourself a, a ready-made uh, a screwdriver is what it would be. And, and then you can, you can just carry that with you. Um, I mean, when you're, when you're going out shopping for office supplies or whatever. It's very low key. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, why? <laughs> <laughs> low key daytime drinking. <laughs> hey, hey, look at that person sucking juice out of that orange. There's not alcohol in here uh, would be their first <laughs> response. Um, that would be, there'd be a lot of ingenuity if anybody gives that a try. Um, I don't so think I love, I'll suggest that one to the kids. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, there maybe there's somebody at the office you could suggest it to. Um, there probably is. <laughs> you see your your whole staff walking around with oranges. You'll know you'll know what's going down. Um, so I, I also love the the idea of this ingenuity um, in real life. Right before we started uh, um, recording today, we wrapped up a session on on setting up a tinkering space in early learning programs. And I think there's a lot of crossover there, uh, creating these spaces where kids can basically fiddle about with stuff, uh, creating and dismantling and this kind of stuff is really an opportunity that kind of gives free range to that creativity slash ingenuity that they might have welled up inside of them. And so creating a space specifically for supporting that kind of activity um, and exploration is good. And I think that's definitely missing in a lot of like early childhood services. I know here in Australia, there's like, people will provide, you know, say a tinkering area and they might set something up, but they'll generally set up a really kind of staged thing that they want children to be able to do or to achieve or to, and it's a one-off, here it is, we've set it up for today and, you know, the children come in and they do what they do with it and then it's over. And I don't know, I think there's a need for that to be just available all the time. You know, that stuff just needs to be available all the time so that they can fiddle with stuff and return to that over and over and over again. And at the moment, I just feel like that's lacking. And I think part of that reason is that kind of that mum hat thing that I had at the beginning. Oh, my gosh, what's the mess going to be like? And I think that's what kind of puts people off a bit is, you know, ingenuity requires it just requires mess virtually you know you need to be able to make a mess and to do something a little bit different and to make mistakes and what and mistakes generally lead to mess when it comes to children so yeah that's what's missing when you started telling that story i I imagine the girls hands covered with orange juice and then they're they're touching things so there's i mean i imagine they're just totally it's it's like a lint collector they're just covered in lint and bits of hair and 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 everything they come in contact with for the next next uh few hours it's like the table felt sticky for about an hour afterwards <laughs> and you know like i kept wiping the table i'm like no it's just not getting any better <laughs> there's like orange you know and then i'd be i'd go and sit down on the chair and i'm like oh my gosh i'm pretty sure that's orange on the chair like did, did this <laughs> happen at, did this happen at your house or at grandma's house Oh no, it was my house. Of course, oh, it is actually it is actually often at my mum's house. They will do all sorts of interesting ingenuity at my mum's house. Um, Sage once built like a house for the chicken to live in inside because she carries one of my mum's chickens into the house, um, and so she built its own little chicken cubby in the house. Um, so you know these are <laughs> these are free range full sized chickens, and yeah, they're. That's ingenuity. Yeah, <laughs> Chicken that, house in the house. So I, I think, so I guess one of the tips here is if we want to promote uh, that creativity and ingenuity is um, don't try this at home. Try it at yeah, a friend's house. Yeah, do it house. elsewhere. Yeah, yeah I, I think um, uh, Steve Spangler, <laughs> he's, a, he's a science guy and, and he does all kinds of experiments and everything. I think he used to, maybe he still does sell a t-shirt that said, don't try this at home. Try it at a friend's house. Yes. Um, and so maybe that's what we do with ingenuity, except if you're working in early learning, you can't send them to the program down the street to be creative and, and, and practice. And things see, to- this is part of why families send their children to care. Like, because they I don't, yeah. Love, <laughs> they get messy there. It's like they're making a mess there. And I'd, I would know that I'd go and pick them up 
And all that mud and mess wasn't coming home with me. That was staying there. And so I think that's as a parent, that's what you look for. It's like, I look for a place where they can go and they can be messy and they can make a giant, you know, disaster zone because they're not doing it at home. But it's like when you're the ones that are in the care situation, it's like, actually, you need to be then doing that. And, and I think, Nicole, that's a that's a great point. And I think it would be an amazing marketing tool for a program yeah. that was really play-based to to use with parents. Yeah. Um, Let them hey. come and make their mess here. Yeah. Yeah. Save your you, own, save your own white lounge. Yeah. Let them and then make you, the mess here. <laughs> then you raise your rates by 25% because uh, yeah. the parents are, are getting clear of that. Um, when, when I saw your, your picture and you suggested this as a topic, got me thinking of my, uh, my buddy Noah back in our family childcare days. He, he came up with, with something that was pretty ingenious one day that I was jealous um, that I hadn't thought of. He was walking around with this um here in the united states we've got this stuff this company called hershey's they make uh, chocolate bars oh good stuff you heard of them um yeah well we've got costco yeah we have costco so we have hershey's okay so he we had this empty he's got this empty hershey's syrup container for like putting on the ice cream and we kept them around because the kids they, they just squeeze them they used them in dramatic play whatever but also they loved it you they would they would squeeze it and sniff and you could smell chocolate Oh, um, nice. And so, well, I mean, it's not really chocolate. It's whatever Hershey's is made out of, which isn't real chocolate. But <laughs> Chemicals designed to, to yeah, look like Yeah, the chocolate smelling chemicals. So he's walking around <laughs> with one of those, just squeezing it. And and this was in the spring. Um, here in the States, we've got a holiday called Easter. Do you have that in Australia? I think we do. I, I Look, I don't know if it occurs around the same time. I feel like there's a large rabbit that's involved. Yeah, it's, a, it's uh, kind of a spring of time. Usually it happens sort of in thing. the spring here. Uh, probably not no, the spring well, it's there. In, it's not. No, it's, uh, well, it's autumn here, which is obviously fall in America, huh. but it's autumn. Must be, a, well, it must be a different holiday. But anyway, um, <laughs> it was that time of year because we had uh, these, the little plastic, easter eggs laying around some of those and noah put one of the half a plastic easter egg on top of the hershey's syrup container and then squeezed it and this little half of an egg launched up to the ceiling oh. like like jeff bezos in his uh, phallic shaped <laughs> rocket did this morning that was so phallic shaped as we're yeah that's gonna be another episode um <gasps> uh so so everybody listening knows the day we're recording this um <laughs> and so it, it hits the ceiling and bounces down and his face lights up because he wasn't he's just screwing around but he made yeah. this discovery and so he does it again and again and then the other kids find this amazing and so um my my lovely bride tasha runs down to to her storage um larder room just her storage space and grabs like three or four more of these empty containers uh well apparently we were eating a lot of ice cream back in those days and <laughs> and so more kids could do it and then there's like three dozen egg halves and and half a dozen kids uh shooting these things up in the air and it was it was delightful and and when you start pulling back and looking at the learning going on there's all kinds of uh visual mm. tracking and hands-on and small muscle and then the language development so there's all kinds of learning going on with it um i i liked it so much that i stole it and put it in one of my books because uh you know he was three what's he gonna do write a book no that's right he's got nothing um but <laughs> The funny thing about that is, though, that I think in some situations there would be educators who'd be like, oh, gosh, no, we're not doing that. Like mm -hmm. they'd stop that straight up because 
it's, you know, you could hit somebody in the eye as that thing comes back down or, you know, whatever. Like I think there'd be, there is a hesitance sometimes to just allow children to explore and to do those things that give that big reaction. And, you know, like for him, that scene that he could actually make that happen is so cool. And then the fact that other kids want to come and do that too. But I just think there are so many people who would stop that, you know, just bang. Oh, we're not doing that with that. That's not what that's for. That's the craft stuff. Well, that's, you know, whatever. And we, you know, there's that shutting it down. And I think that happens a lot um, with things. I know um, it was actually something I wrote down in some other notes, but um, a friend and I actually used to make houses for, we had trolls at the time. I was a child of the 90s and we had trolls, you know, with like the coloured hair little troll figurines oh, troll we used to make doll. houses for it yeah like little doll things we'd make houses for them but because we didn't actually we were at her uh, her dad's house and she didn't live there full time so there was no doll house or anything to play in and so we actually had to make our own house and we made it out of uh textures and pencils because that was pretty much all we had available so it ended up being like a flat lay house it was like a floor plan um and, and that was what we made that out of but you could easily go, oh, that's not what pencils and textures are for. But, you know, it's like Whoa, that. We got we to gotta translate for the Americans. Pencils and what? <laughs> textures. Or markers. Yeah, I think that, that's yes. markers here in the, the, the states. <laughs> oh, oh, see, I listeners, didn't even see, think that was a thing. See, I told you that there was going to be great having to call on the show. And so it was like a bird's eye view looking down on it while yeah. the room's like, yeah, a, like, looked, a, like a blueprint. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like a, like you see a little plan of a house design, and you know, oh, that's where the bedroom is. That's what, and that was what we essentially made out of pencils and markers. No, um, you because no, we did- you, no, we all, we all need to we need to expand our vocabulary. Texas, um, but yeah, we didn't have anything else available, so it's like, okay, great, we'll do that. But I think that's where you know the environment can really set the tone for that. You know, and I think I wrote down. Um, because I wrote myself some really detailed notes, uh-huh. as you saw. Um, but I wrote down that I think the setup of the environment can really impact that. So like where we usually have, and I know you've talked about this before, you know, dramatic play spaces that are set up with, here's the kitchen, here's the sink, here's the blah, blah, and blah. And essentially that's what they're used for. It's like, okay, that's the kitchen sink. So it's used for washing the dishes or whatever. But when we have spaces that are far more open-ended, they've got lots of loose parts, you know, that kind of concept of deconstructed role play and you start to see some of that ingenuity because actually I can turn a box into a washing machine, but that box could also be a phallic-shaped Jeff Bezos rocket. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so glad that somebody else saw that, not just me, because I saw it this morning and went, Oh my gosh, that's a poor design choice. I, I think uh, I think that's all the internet's been talking about today. Um, oh, good. See, I, I haven't been on the internet, so yeah, I have yeah. no I idea. Think, I think uh, Twitter has been all a Twitter about uh, about Jeff Rocket today. <laughs> so uh, um, we got to go. We got to we got to rewind a little bit. You 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 talked when when were you playing with the trolls? This was the nineties. Oh, yes, it was definitely the nineties. And how old were you? I don't know. Probably like seven or eight something oh like that god I'm i don't so know old what um, year is that i'm trying to work out what the year is yeah i would have been like it would have been the very early 90s i would have been like seven okay 
Well, um, listeners, I just had a, a, a panic attack about how ancient <laughs> um, I am when she was talking about playing as a child in Sorry. the 90s. Um, in no, the 90s. no, I need, a, I need a, a, a regular reminder of my mortality. Um, it was so, the early 90s. <laughs> Still in the 90s. Um, so I think one of the ways we support this kind of uh, kind of activity is we we break up. And again, this relates to stuff we talk about the show all the time. We break up with our adult expectations for yeah. for what kids are doing and and kind of create that creating as flexible an environment of uh, as possible without those pre-planned adult expectations, whether it's this is a dramatic play space. So we play house here. Um, yep. or, or whether it's not, it's not, um, it's not orange week. So we don't, we don't, we don't do the oranges. We don't play with oranges. <laughs> and I think too, it's that it's the expectations, like our adult expectations around say the environment that we set up, but also our responses, you know, to children's ideas. And I think, you know, that, that being so quick to shut it down, we've got to be able to actually just step back and go, I'm not even, even if I can see this could be a bad idea. I'm not going to say it's a bad idea. And I think we get stuck in that, oh, that won't work. That could be dangerous. That's this, you know, let's try it this way. And we try and step on it before we've actually let it play out. And I think we need to let it play out so much more than it does now. I think for so many people, they don't let it play out enough. And so children aren't able to actually test it and, you know, see actually this thing really didn't work. Like, so for my girls with the straw, you know, like if that didn't work, what was what was the worst thing that was going to happen not much a bit of mess and you know really that can be cleaned up like it's not a big disaster I suppose you get some other bigger kid ingenuity kind of things going on that probably have a higher impact but I don't know I think they still need that opportunity to to test you know to be flexible and I think that's it comes back to and I think I was listening to an episode that you did recently or might have been too recent I've been catching up a bit but um and it was talking about that idea of doing nothing not being nothing Mm -hmm. um I think uh, I can't think who said it now but it was that idea that we feel like we've got to be doing something so we've got to have set up the environment in a certain way and we've got to be you know putting out particular setups or particular ideas or guiding a particular you know do it this way and let's try this and let's do an experiment you know I get people asking all the time what are some good science experiments I'm like I don't know just let the kids mess around with some stuff like really that's all you need to do yeah but that doesn't that I mean that doesn't sound I don't know it doesn't sound like I work hard yeah, it doesn't sound like I'm working. It doesn't, it doesn't sound sexy. It doesn't sound like you're doing something. It doesn't sound like something you can post on Pinterest. I was going to say, it doesn't look as great on Instagram yeah. as the, you know, lava exploding volcano experiment that I did. You know, yeah. that's going to look far more shiny and glossy than the giant mess that the children made or the straw in the orange or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, if you use the right filter, I don't do the social media much anymore, but if you use the right filter, you can make, uh, you can make everything look good. Um, so I, I love seeing the, uh, the pictures of, of the, of the mess of yeah. the, of the chaos that, uh, that some programs post out there because that, that's a, that's a lot more real than what we're, what we're seeing, um, in some more of the staged adult, adult led adult plan stuff. Um, yeah. And, and so I think we step in a lot because we're trying to 
it, I mean, it's, pre it's preventative, right? We're trying to prevent the mess or we're trying to yep. prevent the disagreement or, or, or whatever, but that prevention, what it really prevents is the creativity and, and ingenuity that could be arising from, from their, their exploration. Yeah. And I think I actually wrote down a quote that I think sort of summed it up for me. And it said, uh, today, many parents and educators are rejecting the myth that people need to be schooled in order to learn. They're replacing an outdated industrial age schooling model of education with a new learning, one fit for the imagination age. The new era beyond the information age when creativity and ingenuity will be our key cultural and economic drivers. And I think that for me, I went, oh, perfect. And I actually found that quote on the Playvolution HQ site, of course. Oh. Um, I went searching. I typed in ingenuity and went, oh, ta-da, I found exactly what <laughs> who, I'm after. Who, who is the quote from? Uh, you know what? I wrote it down, but I didn't write it on the right page. So I'm going to have to go back and check. <laughs> oh, and then I, my, I'd been praising you about your note notes. My long-winded didn't help. Uh, <laughs> my my long-winded note-taking didn't help me there. Um, but I think it was it, it really highlighted for me exactly what I think, you know, people talk about in terms of, you know, STEM learning and whatever, you know, what we're seeing for children now and what we say we want for children as they get older is for them to be creative and, you know, we want visionaries and we want people who can think outside a box or what it, but if we're not giving them the opportunities to do that really early on, then how are they ever going to do that? as they get older like they're just not because they're not used to having to solve problems and to be creative and to think well you know what my idea could work it might not but it could yes um no yes and yes and i feel like i'm going to go off on a rant okay yes go on a rant so imagine a three-year-old spending the couple of years before getting into formal school um, in an environment where they're able to be innovative and uh, ingenious and creative. And then they get into school and the school systems. Um, and you tell me if it's uh, any different in the, in the Australia, the school system beats it, not literally, probably beats it out of them. Um, if I mean, it's, it's all about getting in lockstep and it's all about moving forward with the curriculum. And then we complain that we don't have, enough people after high school going into STEM learning at the university level. And, yep. and the problem is the, the existing school system. Uh, we've created an environment that, that pounds that out of children. And so hopefully early learning programs can give them a little dose of it. <clears throat> so some of them can, can sneak just a little seed of it in, into their soul someplace and carry it with them through those dark years of, of formal education where way too many don't, kids don't have the opportunity to engage in those kind of things so that they can, uh, they can emerge on the other side with, uh, with some of that intact. Because, um, and, and here, I think, I, I think a lot of the problems is, is the teacher unions um, are, are totally beating it out of them with, with their requirements and demands and mandates. But uh, um, that's not really what this episode is about. So I'll get off my soapbox now. But what's it like there? But it is that's a soapbox that I spend a lot of time on because it's exactly the same here. Um, so, and it's one of the things we talk about a lot, our early childhood system here is actually quite good. And, you know, quite a few years ago now, they brought in a national framework that ensures that there's quality across the board, no matter which state a child's living in, they should be getting the same sort of standards. Um, there's a, 
a learning framework which we all kind of work under which is very very heavily play like it's all about play um so for these first kind of five to six years it is that's what it's about it's about play and and they talk about I think the word ingenuity probably even pops up in that framework like they talk about things like innovation and creativity and flexibility and all of those sorts of things and they're part of that what we do and then it is it's heartbreaking to watch those children who do that in that space and feel free to do that and feel supported to do that to then step into the school environment and to have that completely destroyed and you know I've got stories as long as my arm like of children who I've seen that happen to and they go into that system and they lose that creativity and you know I think that's then where you know and that's what I try and do with my own children like allow them to have that free reign at home because they just don't get it at school and I mean we chose a school that was as close to what we wanted as we could get but the options are just not good and you know it's just it seems to be a schooling issue in a lot of places um like I think you know Australia's definitely got a school system issue um and I know the U.S. is much the same and yeah as you say it's a soapbox you could kind of spend a lot of time on but it's it's frustrating because we put so much effort into that in early childhood um that I think to then see that squashed you know yeah. is really hard yeah so hey hey listeners also I don't want any emails from anybody telling me that I'm talking shit about teachers I'm not I'm talking about the system no. I know there are there's yeah. some great teachers there's some amazing in the, in the teachers within those systems there, yeah. there are there are also some really shitty teachers who shouldn't yeah. be allowed in, in rooms with children but it's not so much the teachers I'm complaining about it's the, it's the systems we built and yeah. um and and look um you you can defend those systems but they're they're broken and they need fixing um yeah probably time to, to draw this episode to close we're coming up on half an hour any final thoughts on the topic before we pull the plug nicole no i think that was it i think it was just that you know probably as educators we need to be prepared to give children time and space to solve problems and to be creative and to do things that are a little different and you know, to actually step back a bit and be prepared for that to look completely different to what we anticipate it should look like. And, you know, I think if we do that, you know, as you say, we're at least giving them that for a couple of years of time before they go and have it completely destroyed. Yeah. Is yeah, that a real I, negative to leave on? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, there are probably, there are programs, well, why should we give them to that now? They're not going to, they're, it's going to get beat out of them when they get a little bit older, but I mean, yeah. they, they need it. All we can do is the best for them that we can in our environments and creating these environments where they can, they can be creative and uh, yeah. innovative is, is a valuable thing. Uh, Nicole, plug your, uh, plug your program before we wrap up where you, where you work, what do you do, where they can, where they can, they find you. So um, people can find us at inspiredac.com. We do all sorts of bits and pieces, training and resources and consultancy and all sorts of fun stuff, nature play programs and, I don't know, you name it, we give it a go. Um, so, yeah, that's where people can find us and we're also on um, all the social media the stuff. The social media, yeah, yeah. You just oh, search the social inspired. media nightmare where they're just inspired EC and you'll yeah, generally search inspired find EC and you'll find Nicole. You can find me at explorationsearlylearning.com or playvolutionhq.com. We'll be back with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.